You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. In the last few years, to get prepped for the inflow of material that we think will come, I've, I've spent millions. It's things are moving relatively quickly. Eh? The most important thing here, this is not a three-year story. I mean, we're, this is a one to two quarter story. Welcome back to Mining Stock Education. I'm your host, Bill Powers. And in today's show, we're going to be getting an overview for the second time of Regenix Tech Corp. Regenix was a company I featured back in May of last year when they were not yet a sponsor and I was interested in taking a position in the company. After that, I went down and saw the pilot plant that they were running in uh, Johnson City, Tennessee, as well as saw Davis Recycling, their JV partner, to further investigate. And at that time, they were looking at different ways in which they would finance the company in order to bring it into production. And so I held off on bringing them on as a sponsor, and I also waited to invest until about Q4 of last year. I'm now an investor and they are a 2023 show sponsors for the virtue that you will hear about today. Uh, Regenix has a proprietary solution for extracting platinum and palladium from recycled diesel catalytic converters. Many of these diesel catalytic converters are being thrown into the landfills. The smelters no longer want to deal with them. So Regenix is a first mover with their clean technology. But Crucial to their success is their joint venture partner, uh, which is Davis Recycling in Tennessee. And Davis Recycling just has uh, an amazing ability to get their hands on these diesel catalytic converters, prep them and provide the recycled catalytic converters to Regenix, who then can recover about 90% of the platinum and palladium. So with that in mind, uh, joining me again is the CEO, Greg Pindura of Regenix. Greg, welcome onto the show. Thank you, Bill. Great to be here. And Ben Davis, the owner of Davis Recycling in Johnson City, Tennessee. Ben, thank you for coming on the show for the first time. Thank you for having me, Bill. Ben, I enjoyed spending a full day with you when I was in Tennessee last year, as I've referenced. Uh, You didn't get uh, annoyed with me for me asking you questions for about seven hours, probably. It started over the breakfast table, and then we went to your plant and we we drove around Johnson uh, City, Tennessee, and I, you were able to show me what you had going on. And I got back to Michigan here and I told my kids, I said, I think I think I just spent a day with one of the most impressive business people I've ever been around. I was impressed with your operations for, for a number of reasons. Uh, number one, in terms of a recycling center, that was the, the cleanest, most organized recycling center that I've been to. And I've been to a number of them where I've taken out aluminum windows out of a house and you recycle the aluminum and it is just a mess. But your operation had things in order and the fact that you operate this also debt-free to where you're not leveraged. If the economy goes down, you're still able to survive. And I get to see where you're at now, 20, 25 years after starting. But take us back to when you started. You were one man in a truck. Talk about the evolution of your business, if you could. Okay. Yeah, we started uh, in 1998. Uh, I met, I got into the business through my wife's grandpa. That was what we'd call a peddler at the time. Drove around the muffler shops, picked up scrap inverters. So I was working construction in Phoenix, Arizona. And uh, so he showed me, that was when Cadillac converters back, uh, my first load, you know, they weren't worth much. The precious metals are pretty low at the time. Uh, Started the business there with a 1980 Toyota pickup truck and <laughs> I borrowed $200 uh, from my, my dad for a Sawzall and a generator. 
And back then we would cut them off, uh, started organizing and learning about the business. I sold my first load and to a, a, a refiner in early 99. Um, and then just slowly worked, worked my way up, got more efficient what I was doing, ended up quitting my construction job, went full time in the converter business. Uh, was in Phoenix from until July of 99 when I moved back to Tennessee. Um, and we started in um, probably about September of 99 in Tennessee and slowly worked for multiple years by myself in a truck, then started hiring some employees. Um, we then built up, uh, you know, to the big crash in, oh, what was that? Oh, oh nine up to 72 employees. Uh, we weren't, we had a large business at that time, but you know, we'd only been on the upward track. Uh, I had, this was the first recession I'd ever been through. And so it seemed like everything we touched was gold. Uh, everything went up every day. So learning a valuable lesson during that, that first recession is first, don't be over leveraged, uh, come back to bite you. Luckily we were, we were able to ride through that storm, but when we came out on the other side, we decided that we wanted to restructure how we did everything from, from financing, uh, to being more efficient. So now we turn, oh, I would say 10 times more product than we did at that time with 42 people. Uh, so we've gotten more efficient. Uh, we've added more, more infrastructure, more buildings, more trucks, and just got away from the leverage side for us, which it, I understand it's not for everyone, but that's what makes us sleep good at night. Built the company up from there, uh, started investing into a lot of technology in early 2015, uh, developing apps and, and online data for, for our customers to use. And now we're in the development of, of where you can just punch in the VIN number of the vehicle and uh, it'll produce you a price of what's on that car. Um, so we're, we're spending a lot of time. We have what we call our urban miners app out. And then we have our, our internal uh, Davis recycling technology app out. Um, we've got a full-time lab staff. We do all of our own uh, in-house analysis for the auto catalyst and have just kind of hunkered down and, and decided to try to be the best at what we do in our industry. And that's kind of how we got to where we're at at this point. Uh, met Greg and them a few years ago, and uh, they had a lot of interesting stuff going on. It, we really started pushing that, and uh, it's been a good ride with them. Uh, it's enjoyed. I've learned a lot. I think probably on both sides of the business, they've learned, we've learned, and uh, look forward to the future. Ben, can you talk about how you source these diesel catalytic converters. You referred to yourself as an urban miner and you referred to yourself as such over the breakfast table with me when I was in Tennessee last year. And that's the first time I've ever heard that terminology, uh, but I loved it. So as an urban miner, how do you source these diesel catalytic converters to get them into your shop? Our main source of business is we go out to the mechanic shops, muffler shops, salvage yards, uh, you know, OEMs uh, when they manufacture and they get uh, defects and whatnot. And so that's where we source our uh, product is from all those locations. And then during that, uh, you know, we, we bring them back, we analyze them, get the values out of them. Uh, there was issues with refiners having problems with them. And that's where Regenix comes in uh, to help reduce that uh, problem. Plus, uh, you know, they're much more of a green 
initiative than the smelters are. So after you get the diesel catalytic converters uh, into your recycling center, what is the process of taking that and then preparing uh, the powder to give to Regenix? So I think when you were there, we were just starting our shredding operation at the other plant, which is uh, operational. We've done a lot since you were there. So we've added another uh, 25,000 square feet of location to the our main one. And then our other location, we installed the shredder. So when a diesel, when a catalyst comes in, we do what we call decanning or shredding of that catalyst. Uh, goes through a process. We extract the materials out of the can, which is the outer shell, uh, which that goes off to the chrome refiners. And then the the diesel honeycomb that we referred to it or our catalyst gets milled, sampled, and processed uh, to retain the va- the value of the larger batches. Do you need a license to do what you're doing or how easy is it to get into this business? You know, back in the day, it was anybody with a pickup truck. Now it is, it's very hard. I would say the barrier of entry has raised a lot uh, with a new, there's a lot of new laws coming out because everybody's seen thefts and stuff like that. So uh, we're at the forefront on that. I'm actually on the board of IPMI that, and working with federal legislation. So we're working on getting a federal license to be able to purchase catalytic converters. Uh, so you'll have to maintain a federal license to be in the business, which is good for us because it pulls all the, pulls everybody, the legitimate players out into the side of law enforcement so they can see where, where stuff's being moved. Uh, but at this point, it, it requires, you know, multiple state licensing and it will require federal license at the end of this year. Mm-hmm. So it raises the bar of entry a little higher. Yes. The legacy plans, if something were to happen to you, Ben, could you talk about that? Because you are sourcing Regenix, all of this material. Uh, you're you're the JV partner that Regenix relies on to bring them the material. Um, what are the because you're a private business? Uh, what are the legacy plans for uh, Davis Recycling? You mean can continue on if I get hit by a bus? Exactly. <laughs> well, I've always wanted a company and not a job. Our business is is totally functional. There's plans in place for the the guys that run it uh, to continue to run it. Uh, we we're always have an accessor to, to everyone, kind of in training coming up from me to you know my my main management down to our buyers, to our, you know, the guys that collect the scrap. Uh, we try to continue to have everybody to be able to be able to step into the next role. Uh, as far as that goes, it, the, the business will run with or without me. And as you told me when we were there, Bill, I own a business, not a job. And you told me that you go home at night and you can relax and you take weekends off. Yeah, I do. I don't ever stop thinking about it because that's just how I'm driven. You know, I'm always thinking about it. But the guys, I think a business is only as good as your employees or your team. Um, So we spend a lot of time. We have very little turnover and our team is capable of running it. And for me to be go home, shut down and be comfortable knowing that they've got it taken care of. Now, is my mind always thinking forward to the the next thing yeah but i don't ever shut that part off but it it is a sustainable business that i do not need to be there which is which isn't a testament to my employees 
Definitely. Yes. It, it seemed like you had many loyal employees when you were there, including some family members as well. And your son was dropping off a load too when we were there, which I thought was kind of interesting. We got to see the second generation uh, dropping off a load and you were also building him his own truck, weren't you? Custom made truck. Yeah, that was his uh, his form of uh, college. So <laughs> yeah, but he's he's been in business now for uh, November was a year. So he's He's still, he's out today, in fact, on the road. So, and so is my, yeah. da- so is my daughter. <laughs> nice. If, if Regenic wanted to uh, ramp up production, would you be able to source them with more diesel catalytic converters than you have now? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Our, we have much more capacity than, than we feel at this point, especially with our new shredder. We've learned a long time ago, if you go out with a small trailer, you'll you'll fill it. If you go out with a a tractor trailer, you'll fill it. So we kind of build everything with that in mind, not just to what we need at this point, but, you know, what are we going to need in the future, you know, five, six years down from the road. So we've always tried to build our capacity a little larger than what we anticipate, but we always, we always fill it. So your commitment to this uh, joint venture How many years do you have into growing this partnership and what would be the sunk costs approximately that of your own money you've put into this joint venture? Oh, I mean, if you, you know, in the last few years to get prepped for the inflow material that we think will come, I've I've spent millions. And you've done that cash too. Like we said, you're not leveraged. You just write a check or send a wire to grow your business. Yeah, we don't we don't borrow money. Everything's paid for. What what's your biggest challenge with on your side of the joint venture and how do you plan to overcome that? I don't really foresee a lot of any special challenges. I mean, just day-to-day business. I don't foresee any we're already in the business. We've already proven ourselves. Um I, I think it's just another wake up and it's another day of of processing and going out and buying what we need. You know, I mean, we don't have a I wouldn't say there's any large hurdles to anything. I think we're ready when they're up and uh, functional to to supply them. And Ben, uh, you work with Rick Purdy, who's down there on behalf of Regenex. He's the the president of U.S. Operations. And my understanding is you and Rick, uh, you have quite a history together and been friends even before you entered into business here together. Yeah, that was actually how how we got into business. Is uh, I met him through a family friend. He, they came over and had dinner at our house, and we got to talking. What do you do? This is what I do, and and that's kind of how the whole process kind of got started. Because Rick was in with Greg and Don, and uh, so yeah, our friendship goes back a long ways. Greg, uh, your partners with Ben. Uh, could you break down for for listeners that don't know, maybe some of the more the details of your joint venture partnership with Ben? Well, one thing about Ben, Ben doesn't like to toot his horn very much. Uh, he's uh, That's why I was tooting it for him before I gave the microphone over to <laughs> <he's> him. <laughs> a, he's a low-key guy. In our mind, he's an, obviously an integral part of the joint venture. I mean, he, he's a supply chain management key. He's the expert. And uh, uh, he downplays that. But uh, I, I think he'd be recognized as uh, a tier one individual in that business. So he does all the hard work. All that we have to do is... Uh, do our technology on the process side. So he supplies the uh, the converters. He has his network out there do, doing that. He has all the information on computer from grades to inventory to everything. 
he decans it, he, he shreds it, he brings the powder to us. And what we simply uh, process that water and uh, recover the platinum and palladium from the uh, spent diesel catalytic converter. As long as we do what we know we can do, uh, we believe we're going to have a very, very successful uh, uh, business. And uh, we're really looking forward to expanding it. Ben, if I could summarize uh, one of your competitive advantages, which makes Regenix more attractive and uh, a step above potential competitors is your efficiency and your relationships to source the diesel catalytic converters and your efficiency in processing them. Uh, would that be a brief summary? Yeah. Yeah. I would say it's a fair summary. I mean, we've just been in the business so long. We've, we've tried to maintain a, a very good relationship with competitors and non-competitors. Um, we can source material even from our competitors because we have that relationship with them. We've tried to build a business not on we're better than anybody else, but we just put our head down and we do our job. And I think we're we're a good partner for them in that aspect that we bring a legitimacy to that side of the business that people will, will respect what we do. And that's one reason I'm careful in what I say and what I do, because at the end of the day, I want my reputation to, if I say it's a good process, I want people to believe it. So you'd rather overperform and underpromise? Yes. In, in, in essence, yes. That's why I had to share a little bit of my opinion about you from spending a day with you to start out, Ben, because I I knew you would be underspoken, but you really do, did have an impressive operation down there. I'm not just saying that because you're on the show, but to have what you had. And even one of the things that was so impressive, I said, what's your business worth? And you said, I don't care. <laughs> I'm not planning on selling it. it. It is worth what it is. And I'm looking around, I'm coming to conclusions in my own head or taking educated guesses, but you know, you, you didn't even care, which that spoke volumes to me. You enjoy what you do. You're good at what you do. You're good at making money. You're good with money. You're advancing with no liabilities, paying for cash. And in conclusion, what I concluded is you're a very strong JV partner for Regenix. And without you, Regenix couldn't do what they could do. Uh, I appreciate it. Kind words. Thank you. Greg, uh, what's the update? We need to process all of this material that Ben will be bringing to us. So what's the update on the module build-out? Uh, it's moving along well. We've got uh, a new facility in, in Greenville, a 20,000-square-foot facility, which uh, which we're, which the components are, are going in as we speak. Uh, it's being assembled now. Uh, we, we anticipate the fabrication part of it to be completed well before the end of the first quarter of this year, and we can begin our commissioning by the end of the first quarter. So that, that that's our goal for, for the uh, startup of the plant. And uh, we anticipate sometimes, let's say mid second quarter, that module one will be running to capacity, uh, which will be approximately two and a half tons per day. That's gonna be our trigger point to uh, uh, purchase modules two, three, and four and then have that facility as a full four-module facility. And you pay, Regenix pays for module one, 100%, and then you get paid back the the 45% of Ben's part out of the cash flow of module one, if I understand the dynamics of that too. Yeah, yeah. basically what we're doing here is that Regenix is, is, uh, uh, is supplying the CapEx for module one with module one, proves what it can do that primarily is the trigger point for the joint venture to to begin moving together on a fun funding aspect which will be 55 percent regenix 45 percent 
uh, Davis. It'll be an, an equity relationship moving forward from that point on. And then with the, the four modules, will you be able to purchase from the cash flow of module one, modules two, three, and four? It depends whether we order all three at once or if we order order them incrementally. Uh, we we probably will be ordering all three at once. And uh, by that time, uh, proof of concept will have happened. Uh, it'll be de- basically a traditional debt structuring to to get the CapEx for, for modules two to four. And then what are we looking at in terms of cash flow? Once all four modules are up and running, what type of cash should you be spitting out? We've got a pretty, I, I think, in our mind, a clear roadmap, if you want to call it that, from uh, on commercialization from $0 in revenue to $100 million in re- revenue is what plant uh, that plant should kick out with the four modules in place. There's always going to be hiccups as you're starting something new from a probably an engineering perspective, but not from a technology perspective. The technology will do what we know it can do. Our wrap-up is uh, we're pretty uh, excited about it because we don't anticipate too many hiccups to go from one module to four. You're basically running a mill. And one of the things I liked about the, the story when I first took a look at it last year was you don't have all the permitting and environmental hurdles that a traditional mine has to deal with. And you were sharing with me recently just even about wastewater disposal. Can you share with listeners uh, what you're going to do with uh, the excess water? To have a clean tech technology in the diesel catalytic converter space is a a feather in our hats. And uh, I think it's going to be more than well received. Uh, There's going to be lots of opportunity for for incentive type grants to, to, to grow our business and to expand our business. Uh, people are talking about where do we fit into the carbon credit world. Well, we're going to fit in there, obviously. We're just getting further data on the significance that we're going to have in that space. We're pretty excited to have a, a clean tech technology, which is going to be able to obviously not replace smelters. But uh, the more hesitancy that smelters have for accepting diesel catalytic converters, we're going to just be there to fit that bill. So we'll have a very difficult uh, time just trying to manage what I believe the inventory is going to be there. So it's a pretty exceptional opportunity and we're excited for our shareholders. And you need no production permits and no, the water disposal. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, I yeah. forgot your question yeah. there. But uh, yeah, I mean, we, we just got uh, we just got approval from uh, Greenville on, on the wastewater. The wastewater can go into the their municipal system. So that that speaks for itself. I mean, it's a it's a eco-friendly technology. And uh, we're not going to have uh, permanent issues as we move forward. As investors look to what valuation might be placed on the company, you're looking for a tech multiple, aren't you? Yeah, we are because it is a it is a tech company, and that that was the reason for the the, the rebrand name to re, re, regen to Regenix is to basically to signify we're in the technology space. We like to give out relatively conservative numbers on uh, on valuations and that sort of thing. And uh, but I, I believe that once we go down the path of commercialization, our multiples are going to be far higher than what we're giving out at the present time. Can you share anything about the interest you're getting from any potential commercial entities or others that have interest in what you're doing? I can talk about it in general in generalities. There's going to be in interest there from the automotive side. Uh, there'll be in interest there from from the chemical side. And there's various business reasons for that. 
So we, we will be a, a something which will enhance what they're doing on the automotive side, more on the circular economy concept of being able to, to, to utilize a recycled platinum and, and the palladium material for the uh, manufacture of new diesel catalytic converters. In this day, day, day and age, uh, the large corporate citizens want to be viewed with their shareholders as strong corporate citizens. And I think that we give them the opportunity to do that by having a relationship with, with them. So, yeah, there's there's going to be strong interest bill as we move forward. And just as we conclude, Greg, uh, maybe just share the next three catalysts, main catalysts that investors should look to. Well, I mean, it's things are moving relatively quickly. Eh? The most important thing here: this is not a three-year story. I mean, we're th- this is a one-to-two-quarter story. The first catalyst that the investor should look at is when we say that a module one has been fabricated and it's ready to start commissioning. The, the second one there is that the commissioning has gone according to uh, expectations. We've signed off on module one. It is doing what we expect it to do. And we are now ordering modules two, two to four. This is going to happen relatively quickly. So we're hence the excitement, Bill. Yes. And I plan on going to Tennessee. If you'll have me again, Ben, uh, to check out Anytime. that. Oh, great. Anytime. Ben, thank you. I, I know I might have made you feel uncomfortable by affirming you so much, but it's sincere. And those that know me know I'm not going to just lavish praise unless I, 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 I believe in it. But I was impressed with what I saw down there. And thank you for coming on my show today. Thank you, Bill. I appreciate it. And Greg, thank you for this update. Uh, your company's website is regenix.tech, T-E-C-H, ticker symbol RGX in Toronto on the OTCQB RGX. TF also trades in Frankfurt as YRS. Gentlemen, thank you again for coming on the show. Thank you, Bill. Thank you. Pleasure. Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks. The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts might cost fifty or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10-for-1 returns as there is in small-cap and micro-cap mining stocks. Concomitant with that, if you don't do the work, or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side, there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks too. I just started to study up on mining stocks and I just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector and it's so volatile that either you could really, you could do really, really well, or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly. The mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very, very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks. Don't be overly confident and just do your work as best you can. Do your very best, but don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because um, that's a recipe for disaster. I have met you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents, but it requires commitment. 
This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on miningstockeducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.